0: 21st Century Entrepreneurship, with Martin Piskorik.
1: How did you ensure the success of your businesses while still maintaining what you said, uh, well-being or health or wealth? Health, primary health, (laughs)
0: well-being. Yeah, I figured out a long time ago that it's all about the systems and the people that run those systems, right? And it's also about, in order to be a real business owner, you have to be able to leave the company, leave the restaurant leave, and have the business grow. It can't just do well, can't just maintain. It needs to grow. And in order to do that, you have to have specific positions filled with the right people. And we've done that pretty consistently. And so in order to kind of keep my own mental well-being, my own physical well-being, I have the right people in the right places and I have the right habits. So I meditate every day. I work out, I, l- I like to lift weights. That's my preferred method. So I lift a lot. And I try to be out in nature as much as possible because I know that's helpful too. So I have some practices I also ha- uh, in my personal life and then I also have practices and habits in my professional life as well that keep me sane and help me do well.
1: So when you say uh, systems, uh, is it a specific uh, project management method? Is it ERPs, business intelligence, strategy?
0: Yeah, so we run all eight of the businesses that I own using the same operating system. It's called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it gives us those checks and balances that we need so that we can run the companies effectively. We have scorecards for every company so that I can see how each company is doing at a glance and really understand, does it need my attention? Does it not? What kind of attention does it need? So because we have that EOS framework set up, honestly, Martin, it makes the job of running the companies a lot easier because it's really seamless. Everybody's got the same core values. Everybody has the same uh, vibe to it. And so for us, it's like, it's the consistency across the board that makes it easy for any of the people that work with me at the parent company to come in and help people instantly.
1: What evidence do you have to back up your claims (laughs) that entrepreneurs can increase the value of their business while working fewer hours? That's usually red flag, usually. So
0: the way that we do it is I always look at leverage, right? There's like 20% of things that people are doing that is yielding 80% of the results. And what's happening is people are busy. So they're doing as much as they can all over the place because they want to have some semblance of if I'm doing a lot, that it implies that I'm making progress when actually the opposite is true. So I tell my teams all the time, my leaders, and then they pass this down to their teams. We don't want to be busy. Busy is a negative word. Uh, We want to be focused, right? So if someone's like, hey, I can't reach you, Martin. Yeah, you want to be able to say, yeah, I'm focusing on building my podcast audience. I'm focusing on getting the best possible people to interview. And it's just a, it's a mind shift for people, but it's helpful. So I always am helping my leadership teams because that's really my job is to into them and help them grow the, the companies themselves. I'm always helping them go, okay, where's the 20% that you're spending your time that's getting 80% of our results? How can we put more time and energy into that? And where can we really take that from there? When you say focusing,
1: is it about a specific model? Is it about a way of thinking, uh, solving problems? I mean, what's focusing for you?
0: So what, what I do is I have my people write down everything that they do for two weeks in a row. So like, hey, did you? if you take a phone call, write it down. If you have a, a meeting with a staff member, write it down. If you're talking with a client, write it down. We look at that for two weeks. And then after that two week period, I sit down with them and I say, okay, what are the activities that you did over the past two weeks that got you the best results? And it's really just looking back in hindsight And it's really interesting, Martin, like fascinating every single one of them. I don't need to point it out to them. I have no idea what got the best leverage. They tell me. And so as we do that, it's really fascinating brother because they're able to go, hey, this is what I put just a little bit of time to, and it got all these results that really mattered. And they then start to make decisions. I don't need to coach them on this. They don't need me to do anything. They go, oh, I should spend more time on these things that I only spent a few minutes on because that's really where we need to get. And that's kind of been the game changer for all the businesses as well, is really understanding that anything that you track Anything that you measure is something that you will get results in. And if you're not tracking it or you're not measuring it, you're not going to get those results. And that is really important for what we focus on.
1: Do you give them money or percentage or <laughs> <laughs> or you just look at them and in from, from the trance, you know, like you are free to, to,
0: to, do, to do your <laughs> So, I give out huge raises my um my standard is to give people at least a six thousand dollar raise. Most of our people are not making six figures, so that's a lot percentage wise and if they're doing a poor job, they may only get three thousand <laughs> so I've never done one of those uh i call them bullshit raises where it's like here's uh you know you're making forty thousand dollars a year. Here's a thousand dollars for your raise. Like that's crazy to me. I want to give people raises that are meaningful and significant. And so the reality is is that I run the the companies like a sports team. Uh, I'm I'm a huge soccer fan. If you can't tell by all the things around me, I grew up playing sports. I, I I'm very much there. Um, Asia, third so, place. Sorry. I know. Uh, I thought that they were going to make it to the finals. I was so excited. Um, I was actually rooting for Croatia. <laughs> I uh, Modric is one of my absolute favorite players ever. Like I just love watching him play. So anyway, so yeah, it's 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 really just kind of getting them to buy into, hey, we're building a great culture and a great team, and then if we have success, then everybody gets raises and everybody wins. So like this year, we gave out a half million dollars in raises. Uh, in part because inflation is crazy, in part because our team did really well.
1: And because you have big heart. Yes, that too. (laughs) By the way, you you spoke about, I mean, you mentioned meetings. How did you book meetings with over 300 Fortune 500 companies? (laughs) That's insane number.
0: Yeah. The way that we booked meetings with fortune 500 companies is honestly getting very very clear in our language so most people in marketing whenever they're trying to book a meeting for selling something whenever they're trying to elicit a, a response on social media they're not clear there's no clarity whatsoever so In that circumstance, what ends up happening is people don't know how to take a step. They don't know if you're a good fit. They don't know what's going on. Right? And so in this model, we have really figured out a way to hone in. What is it that our clients do? How can we be very clear about what they do? And when we do that, and we offer, we add an what I call is an outrageous offer into the same outreach. We we do outreach via email, we do outreach via uh, direct mail, so like physically sending things in the mail. We have amazing responses, and so with that, it's it's a really incredible experience to have. In that we we generate all this response because of the clarity. Great marketing is all about is all about clarity, and so when you do that. You get these responses, we book all these meetings, and then our clients get to close those deals. It's, it's really fun. And
1: what about hub and spoke model? How can ent- entrepreneurs use it to, to 10X their business?
0: <laughs> so the hub and spoke model is this idea that, that Avadel, the, the SDR company that I own, uh, which books all those meetings with all those uh, uh, companies, they are representing all of the internal companies that I own. So they're actually booking meetings for all those other companies. So they're the hub. The spokes are all the other firms and everybody works together to benefit the hub and benefit the spokes. So in that model, whenever you acquire other businesses, you're actually able to have this synergistic energy. One of the things that I did this year was I said, hey, I need a PR firm. Like I need a PR firm to help me grow my company. So I bought one (laughs) and they have helped me tremendously to grow my brand, to grow the companies. And it's one of the the subtle ways that people aren't thinking about how we can help, uh, how they can help themselves grow is can I actually provide services to this company? They're going to grow and in return, I get services back. But instead of just doing a service exchange, How about I actually take an an equity stake in this company? And it's worked out tremendously well. How
1: did you come up with so much ideas and, and business models?
0: Nothing that I'm doing that is that crazy to me. It is crazy to most people. What I've found, Martin, is... I'm just not going to play the game by the rules. Like one of my favorite sayings is the amateur knows the rules of the game and they play by the rules of the game. The professional knows the rules of the game and he knows when to break them, right? And so great professionals know, hey, I'm, you know, great example. We were just talking about soccer a little bit ago. When you're a kid, you're always taught don't pass back towards the goal right? Like that's a bad move. But what do we see at the professional level? What do we see in college? What do we see in high school even sometimes? They pass back to the goalie a good bit. They they play with the goalkeeper. They're directly passing towards their goal. So some of this is just understanding, hey, you have to use an, an ecological thinking, thinking outside of what is currently in our purview and really seeing beyond that. And so that's that's really what I do is I'm always going, okay, what is everybody else doing? How can I do the opposite? If a, client says, if a client says, hey, I really want this thing, and then I hear that a bunch, I start to ask myself a question. Why isn't anybody offering that thing? What would we need to have in order to offer said service, said guarantee, what have you? And when I start to figure that out, people are like, oh, man, look, that is possible. Wow. So, so that's really the idea behind all that. So, in my first business, at the age of 29, I had networked my way to a million dollar business. I went to the doctor, I'm 29 years old, and he does a stress test, he does some other physical work. I come back a week later, he goes, hey Dave, how do you know when you're going to have a heart attack? And I was like, I don't understand the question, doc. He goes, you're the most stressed out person we've ever tested. We've tested 4,500 people. If you don't change your behavior, you're not going to see 40. Okay, geez. All right, I got to change some things. What I had done was, I had made this very customized service. That was what my agency was doing. It was custom for everyone all the time. I was networking my way to sales. So it was all on me to go get the sales and make it happen. And I was also the guru. I was the person that knew how to do our services best. What then ended up transpiring was that... I had to figure out how to grow my business without networking all the time, and I needed to create a a systemized way to deliver results for our clients. So that led me down the path of how do I get clients without going to see people in person? I hired some outsourced SDR companies. They couldn't book us any meetings until I wrote the copy. (laughs) And I was like, why am I paying these people to do this for me? So I ended up starting to write that copy. And I started to create very systematized ways that we produced a service as a product. So I went from being totally stressed out, you know, at 29, Doc's like, hey, we've never seen somebody who stresses you too. Hey, I am running eight companies from the wilderness and... I'm pretty relaxed. (laughs) And that journey was multiple fold, right? One of the things that I made sure to do was I created uh, those outrageous offers. And we see big companies do this all the time. So Costco in the US, they have a, a model that's brilliant. Hey, listen, we have a whole roasted chicken for 4 dollars Still, today, it's still $4.99. They put it, it's a huge store. Have you ever been at a Costco, Martin? So, you know, huge store. They put it in the, the, the chicken in the very back of the store. So you have to walk all the way in, go to the very back to go get it. Well, what do they do? They put the wine next to it. They put the beer next to it. They put prepared foods next to it. Well, that's all their high margin Products. And what they said was that in last year, in 2021, they lost $21 million selling the chickens. However, they made 8x that number on the other items that were sold right next to the chicken. Because you go into Costco and you're like, well, hey, maybe I'll have this. And oh, I forgot the Smiths are coming over on Sunday. I should pick up some chips and some dip. And so, and in the end, what was supposed to be a $5 purchase is now a $120 purchase. (laughs) And that's how that works. And so when I see other big businesses doing this, AT&T right now, hey, if you switch to AT&T, we'll give all of your family members an iPhone 14 brand new. It's a thousand dollar product. They're going to give it to you for free. Why? Because they know that once you switch, you're going to stay there for two years. You're going to pay them 250 bucks a month. If you have a family of five, they're going to make all their money back plus some. So this idea of outrageous offers is really consistent for uh, lots of companies. Most people, when they hear outrageous offer, they think I have to make it cheaper. The reality is you have to make it more valuable than whatever the price is. So my services are not cheap. They're quite expensive, right? My SDR firm, it starts out at $3,900 a month. However, the value that people get is way more than what I charge. They have to close one deal a year to pay for that. Most of them close one deal in the first two months, if not more. And so for them, it's a no brainer. And that's really what I've started to do, Martin, is, is really start to think about how can I build these companies in such a way? And this is what I do with all of them that really allows us to get more people in the door and then we can close the deal. I'll give you one more story because it's fun. Uh, there's one company that I own that is it, an outlier, okay? I started a flight school with my brother in Fort Worth, Texas. So we own a few planes, it's really fun. And we teach people how to fly. All of our competitors have the same model. So here's their model. Hey, listen, come in pay us $300. We'll do a test flight with you for 30 minutes. Take you up, fly you around, come back down, and then we're going to try and sell you. So when we looked at that model, my brother had been working at another flight school and he kind of knew what the close rate was like at that flight school. It was about 88%. The problem is they're trying to make all their money back on that discovery flight. So we're a new school. We just launched in March. We're like, hey, what can we do to make a splash? So we charge $49.99 for a discovery flight, 50 bucks, take you up, fly around for 30 minutes, do the same thing. Our close rate's 84%. The difference is our cost to acquire a a customer is very, very low because none of our competitors want to do that pricing model. (laughs) And so we have started to soak up all the leads because we just have an outrageous offer. So it sounds too good to be true. And then when we do sell them, the cheapest program that we have is $10,000 for your private pilot's license. We have a 30% margin on that service. So we lost 150 bucks on the discovery flight, but we just made $3,000 in net profit on the back end. It's a deal that's worth having. And that's the small deals. The big deals are worth over $100,000. So it's totally worth it. And it's just thinking about business in that way.
1: And regarding your, your price, I totally understand the value component. So, for example, your price is 3900 for 100 guaranteed meetings. Yep. I don't know. From my stand of view, it's not so much if those meetings can change my life and change my, my business.
0: Yeah. I mean, the way that I always like to to talk about that too, right, is a bad salesperson will close 5% of deals. We actually have some data on this, by the way. A bad sales person will close 5% of deals because 5% of people just need someone to fulfill the service. (laughs) They're like, I need a person and you're the first person to contact me and you're the only person I'm talking to. So they'll close five deals. A okay salesperson will close ten out of those hundred, so they don't have to be great; they just got to be okay. A good salesperson will close twenty percent. A great salesperson will close close thirty. So I talk to a lot of people whenever they're like, "Hey, should I do this or not?" I'm like, "Well, how much does your average client pay you?" And they're like, "Well, you know, it's usually twenty to fifty thousand dollars a year." Great. If I got you five deals because you're a terrible salesperson. (laughs) Would that, it would would cover my costs, right? Would that be enough for you? And they always go, yeah, okay, then let's do this. And we just make it easy like that so they can kind of wrap their minds around how the game works. So to wrap up,
1: what would you say to entrepreneurs, especially all those young entrepreneurs that are listening to us and want to, to, to start? what would be the, the first step in the direction of a good, solid business model, as you have very unique and specific way of creating all those business models.
0: So first thing is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. A lot of people think, I'm gonna go be an entrepreneur. I need to go start, like build a, an invention. I need to start something totally new and different. No. All of my businesses, there are competitors in the space, right? 20% of businesses fail in the US. This is a real statistic. 20% of businesses fail because there's no market need for the product that was created. 20%, one in five, that's wild. So the reality is If you are like, hey, I'm I'm an entrepreneur, I want to go start a business, look and see what is out there that other people are already doing. Have something that you're interested in. Realize the overnight success is not gonna be overnight. Like people people look at me now and they're like, man, you you like came out of nowhere, you know, like where? And I'm like, no, I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. It's like the band that everybody's like, they're the breakout artists of 2022. Yeah. They played in crappy dive bars for 12 years. You know, they released a bunch of EPs and albums. Their, their families and their friends came and watched them. Right. And they did these terrible too. And now there's something because every overnight success takes a while. So give yourself some time. It's going to take some time. And then, yeah, find something you really enjoy and then get super, super into learning. I, I, uh, I made it a point to start to track how many podcasts I listened to, how many uh, books I listened to or, and or read. And I started tracking it two years after I became an entrepreneur. So I've got eight years of data and I've listened to more than six months worth of content in hours. I've read over 300 books. What's interesting is, and this is true, I don't read that many new books at this point anymore. There's not a whole lot new. What I do though, is I go and reread the same dozen books every year, multiple times a year. And every now and again, I'll throw in some new ones just to see if there's anything fresh out there, but very rarely. And so that's kind of part of the secret is you have to be a lifelong learner. The last thing I would say is, once you figure out what it is that you want to do, get the marketing and sales right. Like the product is important. Don't get me wrong. If you can't sell it, if you can't market it, You can't make the product better. So there's a tension to be maintained, it's not one to be resolved, between product readiness and selling and marketing it. And more often than not, what I find, Martin, is that people are like, well, the product's not ready yet. I have to make it better. I gotta get it perfect. And it's like, no, it needs to be good enough so that you can go make some money to make it better. And that's the tension to be maintained. If you're an entrepreneur and you're like, hey, I, I need some of what you're talking about, Dave, I'd really like to, to engage. Best place to go do that is go to davevalentine.co, that's my website, backslash OO. What I've done is I've put together a free e course for anyone that's listening to this podcast, davevalentine.co backslash OO. You can create, you're gonna learn how to create an outrageous offer. That's the foundation for all eight of my businesses doing exceptionally well. I just started the flight school this year. It's doing seven figures. I just bought into the PR firm this year. It's doing seven figures. So across the board here, we have found over and over and over again that these work. And I usually charge $5,000 to do a workshop to create an outrageous offer. It takes 60 minutes. I'm giving it to anyone that's listening to this for free. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.